Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra Podcast, Tuesday morning, October 5th, Year of Our Lord 2021. I got some really good questions. We've got a loaded, dare I say, a jam-packed mailbag. It's Tuesday and Thursday. Every morning we hit you in this very podcast feed and exclusively in this podcast feed with a really loaded mailbag. Put the call to action out on Twitter last night. I said, I'm recording in 20 minutes. Give me your questions. You did. And it's kind of one of those forward-backward things because I'm talking in past tense, even though it is last night. I'm recording late on Monday night. Let me set the scene for you, by the way. I was just thinking about how weird or possibly weird this is. You can tell me whether you think I'm a psychopath or not. So I come in here usually around 4.35 o'clock in the afternoon after I've worked out and I've done a lot of other stuff during the day. But I come down to the Bomb Shelter studio to record because I think we have the best acoustics in here. Bookmark that. i got to tell you something about the studio in just a second. And I come down here, and I intend on getting everything done and being out of here before the sun goes down. And I have crippling amounts of procrastination just pulsing through my veins. And so now it is 10.45 p.m., and I have finally hit the record button. I've done everything but record so far. But here's the situation. You know I don't drink, but I do mix drinks. I do enjoy a cocktail, just not the kind that maybe you think. So I have next to me right now a can of Starbucks Nitro Cold Brew, not a sponsor of the podcast. That's the last mention. And I also have a bottle of Core Power uh, 42 Gram Complete Protein, also not a sponsor. Last time they'll be mentioned. And what I have taken to doing to expedite my time is I have taken to pouring the nitro into the protein and mixing it up. And I got to tell you, it's really tasty. It gives a little kick to the protein. And so we're replenishing our muscles after a tough workout today and also kicking in about 180 milligrams of caffeine at the same time. This works. Granted, it may be the lifestyle of a long-haul trucker, but it works. And I got a lot of truck drivers who listen to this podcast. You guys know good and well what I'm talking about. I don't need to go any further. Grew up next door to a man who worked on 18-wheelers all his life. He drove them for a long stretch of time, and he said, anything you got to do to stay awake on the road, you do. And so it's the same way in the podcast studio. In fact, I always say, and by always, I mean this is the first time and last time I'll ever say this, tomorrow's highways are paved with technology, meaning podcasters are the modern-day truck driver. It makes no sense. Don't think about it beneath the surface. It'll just confuse you. But as you can clearly tell, that caffeine's kicking in, so I'm ready to go. Uh, Just a little tidbit here about the studio. I think we're moving into a new one tonight. That's what I've been told. I've been teasing that all summer, and then we had construction delays, so I just stopped teasing it and hoped you forgot. Well, I'd check out Late Kick Live tonight. Just a little whisper between you and I. I would check out Late Kick Live tonight because I think we're moving into our new studio. It is beautiful. I will tell you that. I've seen it. I've been in there for quite a while. I just haven't been able to do a show out of there. But it's in one of those nice towers downtown, like blocks away from my apartment. So I could take one of those rent-a-scooters to work or walk. I'm told that has been done before. But, yeah, check that out. So um, could be some fun, exciting new steps being taken on the show tonight. As for this morning's podcast, let's dive in. Our buddies at College Football Unlimited 
I mean, 15 seconds after I put out the call to action on Twitter, they had the first response here. And the question was, how tired are you already of hearing about teams being underrated and overrated? Well, I'm always tired of it. I have spoken my piece on this. I'm going to tell you one more time because, uh, ding, 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 we have about another 2,500 new listeners per episode to the show. So we are growing quite literally like wildfire. There might as well be fire emojis on these these screenshots and printouts that Lance sends to me every week. But anyway, I have spoken about this in the past. A lot of you probably are new around here and haven't heard it. Think about what we're talking about. I know many of you listening have probably used those words, overrated, underrated. Arkansas, they're rated top 10. They lose to Georgia 37-0. Oh, they were overrated. And for the record, I think that overrated tag is probably used at a 10-to-1 ratio as opposed to underrated. Overrated is what everyone talks about. So let me touch on overrated. Have we ever really stopped to think about what we're saying when we say a team is overrated? And especially if you have a vote, if you have an AP vote, this is what I've never been able to stomach. There are people who have a vote in the AP poll. And so they'll rank a team. Now think about this process here. Would you ever get away with this at your place of business? If you work somewhere, would you ever get away with this? You have a job. Part of your job is rank the teams. So you do. All right, now let's just pretend for a second, you and I, that we're omniscient. And we, we just know absolute truth about everything in the universe. And let's say Pate State's over here. And let's say that you and I, being omniscient, we're just innocent bystanders. We know that Pate State is the 21st best team in the country. Let's just say we knew that. And then the AP comes along, and they rank Pate State 8th on the preseason poll. And then Pate State proceeds to lose a couple of games out of the gate, and then they lose another one midseason, and then we finish, you know, ranked 21st, actually where we should have been all along. What do those voters say about me and Pate State at the end of the year? What are they saying about us at the end of the year? I'll tell you what they're not saying is we whiffed on Pate State. What they're going to say is Pate State was overrated. Do you understand how ignorant that is? I want you to think about really what's happening here. The same fools in many cases who slap a ranking on a team get mad at the team when the team doesn't validate their warped perception of the team. That's like if you if you buy your kid a basketball goal and you put it up full 12 feet and your kid's four foot five and you say, go dunk. I think you can dunk, go dunk. Kid fails to dunk because he's four or five and you draw a red X on his forehead and say, go sit by the garbage. Think about why you can't dunk. I thought you could dunk. You're overrated. Nah, man, it's 4-5. He can't even ride the rides at Six Flags. He can't dunk. And so, yeah, I get really tired of the underrated, overrated. We want to talk underrated, that's fine. But the overrated conversation, I get tired of it. And then the second part of the overrated conversation is Ole Miss. I'm telling you right now, I did not drop them in the JP poll, which is going to come out tomorrow night. Arkansas, I did not really drop. And so people will look. They, did, they do it with Notre Dame all the time. Not this year, because this year Notre Dame's not as good as they normally are, but they do it with Notre Dame all the time. And they're about to do it with Arkansas, and they're about to do it with Ole Miss. These teams will be ranked below a top-ranked Alabama or a number 2 Georgia. They'll lose to them, as they should. If your poll is right, and you got Ole Miss at like 7, and Bama's number 1, and Ole Miss goes to Alabama, they should get beat. But the problem is, people will watch Ole Miss get beat, by a team that, according to your own rankings, should beat them, and then you'll punish Ole Miss, which has never made any sense to me. So, yes, I have a lot of problem. That's why I adopt the power rating mentality. I'm not going to drop Ole Miss. I may not drop him at all. I know we didn't drop him very far. 
I'm not going to drop Arkansas very far at all. I don't care that they lost. They lost to a team that I think they should have lost to. In fact, we nailed the exact final score for Ole Miss. Like, how stupid would that make me if I ranked Ole Miss fifth, predicted them to lose by three touchdowns to Alabama, they did, and then I dropped them. My expectation's dead on the money. I got exactly what I expected. I see no reason to change anything. So, yes, I am very tired of that, and that will never cease. I will never cease being tired of the overrated, underrated conversation. Next up is Ryan. He said, when I tell people I can't, I'm watching football, the response I get is, well, you do that all the time. Why can't you do this with us or me instead? What do you say to people like that, and is it immoral to eject them from my life? Ryan, I've dealt with this a time or ten. I have not dealt with it from people that I am still close to. So that answers the second question. No, it's not immoral to eject them from your life, my friend. Here's what I've always found. A true friend, let's get serious for a second, but still just a little bit comedic on the edges because we are talking about a game at the end of the day. But what does a real friend know about you? And what does a real friend have for you? A companion, fill in the same blanks. What does a true companion know about you and have for you? They know your loves and passions in life, and they have respect for them. That's what they should have. And so if you find someone who's manipulative enough to identify your one passion in life, and that thing only happens to take up your day 12 times a year, plus maybe a bowl game or two and some playoff games, and they want to circle those moments on the calendar and try and hijack them for themselves, that's not the kind of energy, nor is it the kind of person you need in your life. And this isn't even just exclusive to the fall wedding club. Drove by another one Saturday. Those people looked absolutely miserable. Could have had the same wedding in May, and you would accomplish the same thing, only everyone at the wedding would be happy because they wouldn't be there on a Saturday in the fall. Oh, and by the way, you'd be like six months into your marriage already. You could have gotten a head start. But nope, got to do it in the fall. I understand. Actually, I don't at all. But Ryan, I don't, I don't really care for that approach in life. I, I don't care for people who do that. I've had it happen before, and it was... It was people who were testing me. You know, I, I can think of a couple of times vividly. I won't go into great detail because, quite frankly, uh, those parties involved may be listening. But I have gotten one of those, well, you watch football all the time. Why can't you do this with me instead? Or here's the worst. The absolute worst is, well, I guess you're telling me that football matters more than me. You know, it's funny, by the way, when The Bachelor is on, you don't ever walk downstairs two minutes before airtime and say, hey, hey, let's go take a jog. And then when you get rejected wholesale, Say, ah, I guess The Bachelor's more important than me, huh? I guess that TV's more important than me. Yeah, the same folks who would try and guilt you to death about choosing football over them would absolutely bathe in an entire shower of hypocrisy if you flip the table on them two minutes before The Bachelor came on. Or you can fill in the blank, whatever they enjoy. So, Ryan, I would, um, without hesitation, distance myself from that kind of energy. You just don't need it in your life. Next up treacherous ground here, so I'm going to walk very, very softly. Patrick says, is Iowa the third best team in college football? Patrick, my definition of best is a clear no. They are not the third best team in college football. But I think what you may be asking is, do they deserve to be ranked number three in, let's say, the AP poll? Well, I don't have a problem with that. Now, I don't bother with the AP approach. That's not the way that I do it. If I were on the playoff committee, I guess is the better way to ask this. If I were on the playoff committee and I had to fill out a playoff rankings ballot today, I'd have Iowa inside the top five easily, maybe number three. I'd have to look at it. 
But that's not the way that I personally approach teams because I'm not on the committee. So with a power rating formula, you know, with the way that I do the JP poll, for example, no, I wouldn't have Iowa anywhere inside the top five. But my simple thinking there is there are just more than five teams I would favor or pick against Iowa on a neutral field tomorrow. Now, that doesn't mean anything, of course, because it's not a hypothetical world. Iowa, for example, they get to play Penn State Saturday. Maybe I think Penn State's better than Iowa, but that doesn't matter if Iowa wins. That's the beauty of this whole thing is really people's opinions don't matter. Even the most informed of opinions, they don't matter. And the best team doesn't always win. I don't know if that's breaking news to some of you, but it is the case. That's why they play the games. If the best teams always won, you would just take the best Vegas odds makers out there and they would put a list on a piece of paper and then you'd crown a national champ. Well, that's not the way it works. Now, down the road, if Iowa keeps winning games, doesn't matter how they're winning them, everyone's going to be forced to take them seriously, myself included. Not that I don't already, but we're talking about pretty lofty praise here, top five. No, I wouldn't have them top five yet. But if I were having to rank teams, I would have them top five because that's merit-based instead of power-based. Brandon Walker, our buddy, our good buddy Brandon Walker, eh, like four or five days out of the week a good buddy, sometimes a nuisance, but that's probably a healthy combination, really, if you think about it. You want about... Five days of good, solid, dependable, and then a couple of days where you just get a little loose, get a little off the rails. Otherwise, you're Paul Pfeiffer. For those of you who didn't watch The Wonder Years back in the day, Paul Pfeiffer, great as a TV character, probably not the best friend. And let me also note, I'm not old enough to have actually caught The Wonder Years when it aired. I have watched the replays. I just want that to be on the record loud and clear. But Brandon Walker asked, and I quote, What team that's been cast away as bad is actually pretty good, and why is the answer Mississippi State? Well, I don't think the answer is Mississippi State, although it was a nice win they got on the road at Texas A&M. I think the answer here could be Nebraska, but I reserve the right to circle right back around to this and change everything about it if they get pasted by Michigan Saturday. Which brings me to the turn and run as fast as you can point spread of the week, and that is Michigan minus three at Nebraska. I know what some of you are thinking. I know some of you have already bet your parents' money on that game. Well, depending on what sports book you use, it's not too late to buy it back. Just find alternate methods to light your money on fire. Do not run towards the sure thing. This is not week one, guys. It's not week two. You do not have an angle based on inside information Freddie the trainer has given you that Vegas doesn't have. It is week six. We're about to be halfway through the season. Everything's been figured out. It is margins that are very small right now. It is bobs, bounces of balls. You do not have a massive angle on this game. I know Michigan's undefeated. I know that the lasting memory most of you have in your mind of Nebraska is them looking horrific early in the year. Teams never stay the same. Teams are constantly evolving. The reason most people lose money betting sports, and football specifically, is number one, thinking you know enough to outsmart an odds maker. You never do. Nobody does. If that were the case, think about this. If that were the case, if a sharp football-minded person could just use their instinct and gut to game the system, why isn't every retired NFL head coach rich based solely off sports betting? Why isn't that the case? Have you ever watched a studio show and these former coaches and players are in there? Have you noticed how wrong they are trying to predict the game they've spent their entire lives in? You don't have an angle. You don't have an angle better than those folks in all likelihood. But even if you do, you don't have one that trumps math. You just don't. So that's number one. But that wasn't what I was getting towards. The other reason 
why people lose money is because they think in terms of snapshots. You think about Nebraska, and you think in terms of highlights and snapshots. That's what you think of. So probably when you think about Nebraska, the last vision most of you saw of them is when they lost to Illinois. A lot of you have not watched them since then. You watched them in week one, you developed your opinion on them in week one, and then since then, Nebraska's been just a footnote on the bottom line as it scrolls across and you see their game, but you're not really watching them. Conversely, with Michigan, you've watched them this past week. I would imagine some of you had eyeballs on that game last week, and you see 38-17 to 17 in your mind and you see a two-point spread or a three-point spread that gets stretched into a three-touchdown win, and you're thinking to yourself, boy, Michigan's a buzzsaw right now. They're undefeated. That's your impression over here. That's your snapshot of Michigan. And then over here, Nebraska's really bad. Well, what they were in week one has nothing to do with what they're about to be this week. Week one for them was August 28th. So really, they played in week zero. They're about to play a game on October 9th. What you saw on August 28th has no business being involved in how you're about to bet your money. But yet a lot of you, if I don't speak up loud enough, are going to fall into that trap. What if I told you that our model is in, at any given point, we have this thing calibrated to where we are looking at a three-week rolling sample size of a team. And what that basically means is if I'm going to play you Saturday, I care a whole lot more about what you've done the past three weeks than what you did three months ago. I'll watch the film from three months ago, but the team you currently are is probably much better represented by your most recent games. Well, the three most recent games Nebraska has played were at Oklahoma. They lost by one possession. They played at Michigan State. They lost by three points. And then they skull drug Northwestern this past week, 56 to seven. So our model at any given point is using that three-week rolling sample size what if I told you over the past three games, Nebraska has played at a level that in an average year, we would rank 18th in the country? That's the level they've been playing at. And so all of a sudden, you can either look at Nebraska and you can see a 3-3 three and three team that, based on your memory, lost to Illinois in week one and you gave up on, or you could look at them and say, ooh, uh, Michigan's playing a team at home, coming off a drubbing, could be a springboard situation, and they're playing at a top 15 level. It all depends on how you choose to observe instead of just watching. And it sounds like I'm picking Nebraska here. No, I haven't even broken down the game yet. I'm just explaining why the point spread is where it is. So a lot of people are looking at the Nebraska game, and they're saying, oh, that's free money. No, no. I mean, I think we've seen a million and one times how that normally goes when you think you got free money or a lock or any other of these uh, falsely based phrases that people like to use. But this goes all the way back to Brandon Walker. It feels like a year ago he asked the question, I think Nebraska's the answer. Nebraska got left for dead, and I think Nebraska is the team that could end up becoming something. If they win Saturday, if they were to beat Michigan, you're talking about a total reset on a season. They would be above 500. They would be 4-3 and three at that point, and then they would have games at Minnesota, home against Purdue, home against Ohio State, and then at Wisconsin to end the year. That's a team that could end up having a winning record. I think this weekend is clearly a hinge game for them. So I'm going to go with Nebraska as my answer. Sandy is up next. Sandy says, Sorry if it's late, but rank the environment for each Renaissance Tour destination thus far. What are some of the best experiences you've had so far this year? Uh, let me just roll it off the top of my head. Week one, we were in Charlotte. And that was Georgia versus Clemson. My biggest memory and takeaway from that one was that was the first full stadium most of us had been in in quite a while. 
and it was a great environment. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of the neutral site stuff. If you're going to do it, I guess do it opening weekend. That weekend, I was willing to make the exception just because it was the first time we had been in that environment for so long. Uh, week two was Iowa at Iowa State, and that was a special trip for me because I love Iowa State, and it was the first time I'd ever gotten to go up there. The game did not deliver, but I think what stood out to me so much was how many people came up to me before, during, and after the game, not just fans, but a lot of administrators there, some people on the coaching staff, both sides, by the way, and just showed appreciation for someone with a national platform whose entire format, Talking College Football, does not revolve around the college football playoff and understanding that there is quality football and a really good and entertaining product and good people who don't always just reside in Tuscaloosa, Alabama or you know Clemson, South Carolina, Columbus, Ohio. I mean, we talk those programs a lot. But there's no reason why you can't celebrate a setting like that. It was an incredible setting up there. Incredible setting. And my biggest memory from that trip is just the validation. Because for the first time since we really took this show national, I was out in the field. I was in an unfamiliar place. And I'm in Iowa. I've never been to the state of Iowa. And you've got people left and right, starting in the airport and all the way to the stadium and back at the hotel, walking up to you and saying, man, I appreciate what you're doing. And they talk to you. And this is how we format this show. When I see you guys in public, we talk like we've known each other 10 years. That's how the interactions always are. Very rarely do I have someone sheepishly come up and say, hey, um, I just want to say I watch your show or I listen to your show. Okay, bye. That's not the way it is. Normally when our audience interacts with me, it is basically picking up a conversation that we left off on last week and it just feels like it's been ongoing. You know, kind of like if you saw a buddy that you haven't seen in a few months, that's how our interactions are. And really have never felt that more to that point than when I went to the Iowa State game. Week three at Penn State, Auburn on the road at Penn State. Most incredible environment I've seen all year. My first whiteout. Could not speak highly enough of the environment there. I love college football stadiums. I love them. I've spoken about this a time or two, but I am fascinated with the construction of stadiums. I love getting to venues early, especially the old ones, and I love going to the press box, and I love walking basically every step that you can walk, kind of inside, uh, for lack of a better term, the bowels of the buildings. Some of these places are really, really old. Beaver Stadium's old, and there are obviously these chunks of newer construction, but it's mainly a very old facility. Love seeing that. So when I got to Beaver Stadium, I did that. Treated very hospitable uh, by the folks up there, but Man, what an atmosphere, and the way the crowd showed up that night, I was trying to explain this to folks back home down south. The way the Penn State crowd showed up, they carried themselves into that game like they were actors and actresses. They had a role to play, like they had a part to play, and there was so much synergy and synchronization with the way the crowd handled itself. I've been in all these big environments. I've been in Death Valley at night. I've been to every one of them. And so I'm not telling you like definitively one is better than the other, one's louder than the other. I'm telling you Penn State on that night was right up there with anything I've ever experienced. But what I love the most about it is there's, there's almost more of an awareness that the crowd is there as part of the show. Week four was in Dallas. That was Arkansas, Texas A&M. Uh, the venue is what it is. I told the story last week about how the most fascinating Kind of facet of Jerry World, of AT&T Stadium, is that you can take buses down the tunnel. Never really seen that anywhere else. If you were going to have that exist somewhere, it would be in Texas. 
Uh, but that was, you know, sort of a coming out party for the culture of Arkansas being on display. Had a setback a week later at Georgia, obviously. But that was fun to be around that Arkansas program and to be around people who were so kind of captivated by the moment. They weren't caught up in all the ramifications down the road. It's okay to just enjoy a Saturday in this sport. It's okay to do it. And they did it. Boy, did they do it last week for Arkansas. Two weeks ago, I guess that is now. And then this past weekend, I was at Alabama. First time I've been back at Bama since 2019 LSU game. I always love going to Alabama. It's so rich in tradition and history. And any given Saturday when you're down there, you're covering Bama, you know you're witnessing history. You just know flat out you're watching the greatest of all time to do it, and there's such an appreciation. It is really amazing to watch the rosters Nick Saban puts together from field level. You get to see that stuff up close. Those dudes are big, and they don't sacrifice speed to have that size, and they just have wave after wave after wave. And what I love doing, because I follow recruiting really close, so I know their entire roster, sometimes I'll have someone with me I remember this wasn't this year. It was two years ago, I think. Evan Neal plays left tackle now for Bama, about to be a multimillionaire in the NFL this coming spring. When he was a true freshman there a couple of years ago, I took a buddy who um, probably wasn't supposed to be with me down there, but I took him down on the field, and I'm showing him Alabama's offensive line warming up. And Evan Neal, as a true freshman, is 6'7", 365. And so my buddy, I mean, he, he played football. He watches a ton of football, but he doesn't follow recruiting religiously. So he didn't know about Evan Neal quite yet. He's looking at Evan Neal, and he's, he's dumbfounded at the size. I mean, Evan Neal's one of the biggest human beings you'll ever see. Versatile, agile, incredible size, though. Just a massive, gargantuan human being. And my buddy's looking at him as if to say, wow, what an NFL draft prospect. And I looked at him and said, that dude just turned 18. He's a true freshman. That guy was walking down a high school hallway a few months ago, and his jaw hit the ground, or the turf, the natural surface of Bryant-Denny Stadium. It's really amazing to watch them warm up. There are only a couple of teams like that out there. They're really isn't one like Alabama, but there are a couple of them. You know, Ohio State's like that. Georgia is clearly like that. It's amazing to watch their backups warm up. Their backup units, when they warm up, you look at those guys, and it's the same way when they come in the game. You look at them, and you say, that guy's not even starting for this team. That's always what I love to do. I, I, when I get to Bama games, I go down there and watch them warm up. It's really incredible to watch. And then this Saturday, we are headed to the Cotton Bowl, headed right back out to Dallas. Not a single rental car available in the state, but I found a way. And I've never been to the Cotton Bowl, the actual Cotton Bowl, and I've never been to OU Texas, the Red River Shootout. Pew, pew. I've never been, and I could not be more excited about it. I know some of you were a little rubbed the wrong way that we did not take the Renaissance Tour to Iowa Penn State this week, but there was, there was a simple logic behind that. I've already seen Iowa in person this year. I've seen Penn State in person. We'll probably see one or both of them in person again down the road, and I've not seen OU or Texas yet, and also it's a rivalry game that I've never been to. The selection, by the way, of the Renaissance Tour destination, there's kind of become this cult following that is seemingly more interested in guessing or predicting or suggesting where the Renaissance Tour should go than the actual shows on Sunday night. Kind of fascinating to watch. There's this entire subculture that really seems more dedicated just to the Renaissance Tour than to the actual show itself. You do you. I'm not telling you that's right or wrong. I'm just telling you I'm interested by that. Okay, we had a ton of Dan Mullen. I mean a metric ton of Dan Mullen questions and comments. I'm going to try and roll them all into a great big ball, and it's going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to do it together, and we're going to do it right after this. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So there were several Dan Mullen questions. I'm just going to read a few of them to give you a general sense of what I was getting in the inbox here. And then I'm going to kind of address Dan Mullen. All right, so here's Chris first off. He said, when will the media stop this false narrative that Dan Mullen is an elite game day coach? Elite game day coaches don't have the amount of losses to ranked teams he has. He's 11-6 and six since the Orange Bowl win at Florida, of all places. John John said, Florida fans overreacting, or is it time to get rid of Dan Mullen for real? Spencer said, your show yesterday, I heard you talk about Coach O not taking responsibility at LSU. I know you see similarities between Coach O and Mullen, so just say it. Neither wants to own their shortcomings. So it's been a rocky few days for Dan Mullen. I got to tell you, I still cannot believe they lost to Kentucky. Upsets happen all the time. Upsets don't shock me, at least regularly. This one, even though the spread was only seven and a half or eight, it just, it genuinely caught me off guard. And not that they lost. It's the manner in which Florida lost. If they would have had you know, execution, Will Levis throws for 350 yards, and he just is raining down 50-50 ball after 50-50 ball. And that's just the way the game went. Okay, but that's not the way the game went. Kentucky didn't even have 90 yards passing. They were one of nine on third down. And Florida just totally implodes. I mean, totally and completely imploded. And it wasn't like they had any grace period to work with. They had no padding. They had already lost a game. They know. Backs against the wall like it's do or die. You can't be losing again. And they lost. And so then a lot of people, as they usually are, they're rubbed the wrong way by what Dan Mullen says in press conferences. I don't really care what Dan Mullen says in press conferences. The reason I don't get rubbed the wrong way by this is because I truly think if I were a head coach, I'd act the same way Dan Mullen does. I maybe wouldn't be quite as arrogant sometimes. I wouldn't be as prickly. I would be very cordial, but at the same time, if I have forgotten more about my craft than you know to begin with, I don't care if I just screwed something up. Like, I can look myself in the mirror and say I screwed it up, but I'm not about to listen to you tell me. I'm just not, and that's why I'm not a head coach, by the way. I wouldn't be a good head coach. I would not suffer 
these um, excoriations from members of the media very, very well. I wouldn't be good at that. And so I would go a lot harder in the paint than Dan Mullen does. So, you know, when someone asks him, hey, did you get out coached? Of course he got out coached. Yes, yes. And not even in the way that a lot of people are thinking. Like a lot of people think you get out coached when someone out grease boards you. They out X and O you. Now, that's not the way it works, guys. You get out coached in summer. You get out coached in the second week of fall camp. Florida lost that game against Kentucky long before halftime adjustments or, you know, a tweak here and there, mid-third quarter. They lost that thing weeks ago, for all we know, when Dan Mullen was not instilling in his program the kind of culture it takes to avoid eight false start penalties on a given Saturday night in Lexington or on the moon. I don't care where they're playing the game. Absolutely, he got out coached. But at the same time, he's not about to sit there and listen to someone whose football acumen he clearly wouldn't respect try and school him on that. He's just not going to deal with it. I wouldn't either. And I'm not hating on any one individual person. I'm telling you, as a general rule of thumb, I would be that way too. I would be, big word alert, very cantankerous with the media when they question me, even if I was wrong. But I do want to take you back because it sounds like I'm, I'm running the Dan Mullen fan club over here. No, it's far from that. I do want to take you back to the beginning of this season and really the beginning of summer, one of my biggest concerns with Florida stemmed all the way back to last year. My perception of last year's Florida team is that Dan Mullen wanted out. That was my perception. It is my perception. It's my opinion, I guess is what I should say. He wanted a crack at the NFL. Now, I don't know how serious any offer or potential offer ever was going to be, But I think Dan Mullen believed genuinely in his heart he was going to get an offer to become an NFL head coach. I think that's what he thought midway through the year. And so I felt like he started to, in a lot of ways, check out in the latter portion of the season. And I don't mean check out like not show up to work or not work hard. No, I think he did that. What I think he also did, though, is he handled himself kind of the way you would on the last day of school you know there's no consequence because you're not coming back. And so you can act like a fool. And you can say things that normally you wouldn't say. And you can carry yourself in a way you normally wouldn't carry yourself. But then for whatever reason, it didn't work out that way. And so my biggest fear for Florida is Dan Mullen got caught flat-footed, thought he was going to be out the door, and ended up not getting that opportunity. And so now he's got to walk back in the door but not really be back. Come back in because, well, this is my job, I guess, again this year, but not really be back. That was my main concern. And I thought to myself, and I said as much on the show, if that is the case, we'll know. If Dan Mullen is checked out halfway, we will know. Well, we got into the season a little ways, and they had a really good showing against Alabama, but they lost. Okay, well, still, I think there was a little bit more excitement. I think there was a net positive excitement that day from Florida fans. But now, two weeks later, we just saw this. And boy, it has shifted radically. I mean, the mood down there has shifted radically since Saturday. And it's not just the fans, it's the media too. Dan Mullen's press conference Monday, if you're listening on Tuesday yesterday, was about as uncomfortable as the Scott's Tots episode in the office. And I actually put on Twitter, like, if you watch that episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some people, even who are diehard fans of the office, will not watch the Scott's Tots episode. I personally have never had an issue with it, but it is extremely uncomfortable. It is extremely cringeworthy. It's also a classic episode. I think it's hilarious, but it is very, very cringeworthy, and that was Dan Mullen's press conference yesterday, and I dropped the old, hey, Mr. Dan, what you gonna do? What you gonna do to make us three and two? Which, again, if you've watched the episode, makes perfect sense to you. Uh, That's where they are, 
and Florida fans are not happy. I've been asked several times if I think the Florida situation equates to LSU. Not even close. No. I think Ed Orgeron's done at LSU. I don't think Dan Mullen's done as of this moment. I don't think he's done at Florida. I think he got reason to be upset, but no, I don't think he's done. I do think that about Orgeron at LSU. But Florida still has a lot to play for, guys. I mean, you've, you just never know. I know everyone assumes they know how this thing's going to shake out. I mean, what if Georgia were to lose Saturday? It's unlikely, yeah, but humor me for a second. What if they lost to Auburn? And then you got the cocktail party a couple of weeks later where Florida knows if they beat Georgia, then Georgia's got two conference losses. Florida's got two conference losses. Oh, and they got the tiebreaker. All of a sudden, the SEC East is theirs to control again. You just don't know is my point. You don't know. Crazier things have happened. Just keep playing. Just keep playing. Everything's not lost once you lose a couple of games. Keep playing. What we're not going to do, though, is keep talking. I learned from last week. I'm not going to lose my voice by Wednesday this week. So I appreciate you guys listening, though. Uh, Make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram, at LateKickJosh. And, hey, I haven't talked about it on the pod as much. Boy, our friends at Academy really appreciate you guys. We are are in regular contact with Academy Sports and Outdoors. They are our one official partner. And I keep the show free of ads largely for you because we have one big partner. And I think you guys understand that. And the trade-off is when you're going to buy stuff you have to buy anyway, just hit up Academy Sports and Outdoors. And when you do it, show me that you did it. I mean, dozens, it's easily hundreds of you now. Hundreds of you have done that. And you can't even imagine what it's like for Academy to have people willingly say, hey, look, I just bought products from you guys because of this show that you're on. They love that. We love that. Everyone loves that. It's the kind of audience we have. And so, man, I appreciate that. Can't thank you enough for that. You're making so many things possible down the road because of what you're doing right now. So thank you so much for that. I got to get this sent over to Producer Jordan. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday and God bless. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.